Welcome to the podcast of Christ Covenant Church, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America, located in the township of Langley, British Columbia. My name is Gary Vanderveen, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you would like to know more about our congregation, please visit us online at www.langleychurch.org. He is risen. Paul says that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is at the very center of the gospel. In other words, without the resurrection, without the bodily resurrection in history, in time and space, without the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. So central is the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the gospel, to the gospel message, that as soon as Paul defines the gospel, and he does this in the first four verses of chapter 15. He defines the gospel as the death and resurrection of Jesus for our sins. Not just the death, it's the death and resurrection that he immediately moves into this long and detailed and intricate discussion on the resurrection, on Jesus' resurrection and on our resurrection. Everything, the gospel message, everything about the gospel hinges upon the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, we could say, if we wanted to put it shorthand, the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus. That is the gospel. God the Father is making all things new. Because of the resurrection of his son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning I want to spend a few minutes with you and draw your attention to three simple gospel truths that are anchored in the reality of Jesus' resurrection. And the first truth is this. The resurrection of Jesus means that our sins are forgiven. The resurrection of Jesus means that our sins are forgiven. Notice verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. And the implication, of course, is, well, Christ has risen. And because he has been raised from the dead, because he is risen, you are no longer in your sins. Your sins are no more. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins have been erased. They have been removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Right? Paul's whole point is that if Jesus is dead, if he's still in the grave, death is victorious. And if death is victorious, sin has won. Still, sin still reigns over you. Sin still controls you. Sin still dominates your life. 
sin still ruins your life. Why? Because sin or death is the consequence of sin. Death only exists where sin exists. And if Christ is dead, sin still remains. Sin is victorious. But thanks be to God, Paul says, that Jesus is not dead. He is a risen Savior. And because he is risen from the dead, your sin is no more. I don't care what kind of sin you have committed. I don't care how much sin you have committed. If you put your faith in the risen Christ, your sin is no more. Its grip is released. Its power is over. The penalty is gone. Paul makes a similar point, somewhat different wording in verse 22. He says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Who was our first father? Adam. What did he do? He sinned. What happened because of his sin? He died. What happened because of his sin? Well, we sin and we die. For as in Adam all die, all those who descend from Adam die. So also in Christ shall all be made alive. Why? Because, of course, Christ is the God-man. And as the God-man He conquers sin. He swallows up death. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, he rises again on the third day. And so the resurrection of Jesus means that your sin is no more. It is a defeated foe. And all of its consequences the broken relationships, sickness, trials, tribulations, and ultimately death. All of its consequences are no more. Well, that's not entirely true, is it? We still die. We're still sick. Relationships are broken. Paul tells us that we live in this kind of world of tension where we have to catch up with the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And in due time, he will return and we will experience the fullness of his resurrection life. And that leads us to the second point, the second truth of the resurrection is that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees the resurrection of this body. Take a look. I guess we don't have mirrors here, but you can look at your hands. Oh, yes, Tim has his phone. Take a look, a good look at yourself, okay? This is 
the you that will be raised up on the last day. Now, we don't have time to work through all the details of the text here, but, but trust me when I say that verses 35 to 49, uh, perhaps you were scratching your head as I was reading that, where Paul talks about the, the, uh, the perishable body, uh, it's sown perishable and it's raised imperishable, it's sown natural body, it's raised um, a spiritual body, um, that we uh, have earth bodies, but then we'll have heavenly bodies. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated passage. But trust me when I say that the church has often misunderstood these verses. And even today, the church, many Christians misunderstand these verses. Many Christians, many of us grew up thinking that this natural body, this material body will go in the grave, never to be raised up, but somehow my soul, on the day of the resurrection, my soul will be, be united with a brand new disembodied body, whatever that means. Right? An angelic body, a body that is radically different than this body, a body with radical discontinuities with this body, a, a body that will enable us to float on clouds playing the harp through all eternity. Right? And, and the church ha has read the, this passage this way largely because of the influence of ancient Greek philosophy in Plato. Now, in one sense, it's kind of understandable that we have this misreading, even from the text itself. Verse 47 says that the first man was from the earth, a dust man, and the second man is from heaven, a heavenly man. And if you think of heaven and earth, and, or earth and heaven in terms of these kind of contrasts, earth being material, heaven being immaterial, earth being this kind of stuff and, and, and heaven being spiritual and, and not concerned about uh, the materiality of this life, well, then that kind of makes sense. But when you begin to think a little more deeply, you, you, you quickly realize how wrong, how mistaken this idea was or is. Okay, work with me on this. Uh, was Jesus fully man? Was Jesus formed of the dust in the same way that Adam and we are formed of dust? Yes. Who said no? My, my wife said no. Honey, we went over the answers before the service. Pardon? Oh, yes, and now she's reminding me that she wrote the sermon. That makes it even worse. Wow. Wow. Okay? But, but think about this. Where was Jesus conceived? In the womb of the Virgin Mary. He wasn't conceived in heaven and then placed in the womb of the Virgin Mary. It wasn't like he had a conception in heaven and then was placed in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And in, in a very real sense, he was a dust man. He had the same human flesh that Adam had. 
the same human flesh that you and I have. And so Paul is actually making a different kind of distinction here. By natural, when Paul speaks of the, imper the perishable body or uh, the natural body, he, he means a body that is not um, animated or empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Adam, when God formed Adam, Adam did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God put him in the garden, and he, and he had a little test for Adam. Adam was to, uh, it was a test of obedience. Would Adam listen to God's voice? Would he obey? Had Adam obeyed, he would have received the Spirit and be confirmed in righteousness. He would have become a heavenly man. But when God first formed him, he was formed of the dust. And yes, God breathed into him the spirit of life. But he had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, was Jesus baptized by the Holy Spirit? Yes, Jesus was baptized by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was confirmed in righteousness by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was raised from the dead and the power of the Holy Spirit, and he was given a new body, a spirit-animated body, a spirit-empowered body, a spiritual body. 95% of the time, maybe even 100% of the time, when you read that word spiritual in your Bibles, just remove the S and make it a capital S. It's Holy Spirit. Spiritual means something that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is doing in you, through you. Now, the definitive proof that our resurrection bodies are not some kind of disembodied body, whatever that means, that it's not a rejection of this body, that you will recognize yourself that, that you will have a, well, in my case, a Gary Body 2.0, an upgraded version of myself, an upgraded new, new features, if you will, of yourself. The, the definitive proof of this is the resurrection body of Jesus. Right? Did Jesus, did the resurrected Christ still have scars on his hands? Did he have a scar on his side? Did he eat? Did he walk? Did his disciples regard him as a person once they recognized him, once the scales uh, fell from their eyes? Did they recognize him as a person, as a real human being? Did they recognize him as the same man with the same body? Yes. One of my favorite stories in this regard is the story that we read in Luke chapter 24 where Jesus is on the road to Demaeus with two disciples. He just suddenly shows up out of nowhere and he begins talking with them. And verse 16 tells us of the, the two disciples that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They saw a real human being. They didn't freak out when Jesus started talking to them. They didn't say, oh, a ghost, an apparition. No, it's some kind of disembodied thing or person. No, they believed that they were talking with a real human being because indeed they were. And they talked 
about him earnestly. And at the end of that day, do you remember what happens at the end of that day after their long walk as their journey? They gather together around a table. And who said breaking bread? That's exactly right. They broke bread. And in the breaking of the bread, they recognized our Savior. In the breaking of bread, they recognized our Savior. And the point of this, right, the point of this in terms of the resurrection and, right, Jesus' resurrection guarantees the resurrection of, of this body. The point is that when Adam sinned, God didn't turn and say to himself, oh no, what have I done? I have made these earthlings with earthly bodies, with material bodies. That was a mistake. Remember, when God made Adam and Eve and their earthly bodies, God said that it was good. And it, they were very good. And so our salvation is not simply a salvation of our souls. It is a salvation of body and soul. And there is going to be a complete and total restoration of these bodies. Just imagine a new and improved body. You'll recognize yourself. I suspect you'll have the same color hair. Your eyes will work better. Perhaps will be even able to vanish like Jesus did through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it will be a real physical material body. Salvation is not an escape from this world. Salvation is not an escape from this body. The platonic idea that, that the body is a prison of the soul is completely contrary to the biblical message. We will eat and drink and be merry in heaven. We're going to have a wonderful meal in a few moments. And that's a picture, a foretaste of the great and eternal banquet that we will enjoy through all eternity. Good food, good drink, wonderful, glorious, redeemed bodies. And this leads us to the third point, and this is kind of the, the practical point. This is where everything comes together, okay? The resurrection of Jesus means that this life, the here and now matters. It's worth living. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that because your sins are forgiven now, it means because you will receive a new and restored body in the future on that last day, the resurrection means because these things are true, your life right now, is worth living. Did you hear the words with which Paul concludes this chapter? 
Therefore, why therefore? In light of everything I've just written, in light of the gospel with which I began this chapter, in light of the resurrection, in the light of Christ's resurrection, in light of your glorious future resurrection, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do good works. Live the Christian life. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put off the old man. Bear witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Obey God, keep his commandments. Do all of this stuff, the Christian stuff, everything that is required of us. Remember Jesus says that we are to obey all his commands. Do all of this, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor, knowing that your time here on earth matters. So here's what Paul is saying, that that because Jesus rose from the dead, you too will rise from the dead. Because Jesus in his resurrection received a Holy Spirit empowered and animated body, so too you at the resurrection on that last day, you will receive a Holy Spirit animated and empowered body. And because, because of this, because you will be raised unto newness of life, because you will live in a body, with a body that is free from the stain of sin, an incorruptible body, an imperishable body, a heavenly body, just like Jesus' body, because of that future reality, your life matters now. What you do today counts. It's like, Paul says that, that what you do today echoes through all eternity. Right? In Paul's mind, there is an intimate connection between the way you live your life now and the way you will live your life through all eternity. Paul is saying, you already have eternal life. You already have possession of this resurrection life. And so you must live this life now so that you're ready for heaven. You know, it's interesting, right, the way Jesus speaks about eternal life. Jesus doesn't say, believe in me and, and on the final day you'll have eternal life. What does Jesus say? Believe in me and you will have eternal life now. You have it now. You possess this resurrection life now. And so you need to lean into that resurrection life. You need to live out of that resurrection life. Now, I, I know that this is kind of a, a mechanical way of, of expressing it, but, 
but, but it works for me. I hope it works for you to, to kind of figure, you know, see how this works, okay? So you, you, you live a Christian life now. You make every moment matter now. You're, you're, you're leaning upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You're confessing your sin. You're bearing witness to the gospel in every area of your life. And, and the day you die, you're 57% sanctified. Okay? What does that mean? It means that Jesus only has to sanctify you what? I'm not good at math, so math people. How much? 43%. There's only 43% left of you to sanctify. Right? But if you're not leaning into that resurrection life now, if you're, if you're not making every moment count now, Jesus is going to have a lot more sanctification to take care of at the very end. And so Paul is like, your labor is not in vain. Everything you do now matters through eternity. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put to death the deeds of the old man. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor, your efforts, your work is not in vain. It counts. It matters. And why does it matter? Because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ever discouraged in this life? Do you ever wonder if it's worth it? Do you ever say to yourself, why am I striving so hard to live the Christian life? Does the thought ever cross your mind, you know, Jesus loves me no matter what, so I can go on cruise control for a few weeks, a few years, maybe my whole life because he loves me so much that he's going to save me no matter how I live. Do you ever want to give up fighting the good fight? Why must you press on? Why must you not give up? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. Why must you persevere in the faith and never give up? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. Why does your obedience matter? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. And why does your work in the Lord matter? Why is this work not in vain? Because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen.